You're listening to the Just Jazz and Co podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of ambitious careers with me, Just Jazz, and many guests. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and R&B. I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yep, you heard me. Desire. No shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. Hi folks, welcome to this week's episode of the Just Jazz and Co podcast. Today I'm excited to introduce you to another guest. Today I have with me Karen Weber. Hi Karen. Hi Jazz, lovely to be here, thank you. It is so amazing to have you on the show today. I'm so excited to dig into your journey, your story, all of your wisdom. But before we do that, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, of course. And my business is called Goodness Marketing because I'm all about marketing that feels good, does good and gets good results. Um, Definitely not the usual way of doing marketing. I like to question mainstream marketing and the way that things have always been done. I tend to work with small businesses with big hearts and people having an impact in the world and people who are about more than just profits. Um, So people who are doing good in the world. And I absolutely love my job. Um, I support them one-to-one as well as through programs and workshops and all sorts of lovely things that take my fancy. Amazing. And what was your journey to doing this work? What was your kind of career path? So I always thought I would be a journalist or some sort of writer. I grew up in South Africa and um, that's what I went to study. So I did a degree in business communications with journalism and um, it, I was on a journalism placement with a local newspaper when I realized that traditional journalism was probably not the path for me. Um, it was kind of ambulance chasing and finding like the most depressing and sad stories and really speaking to people about that. Um, And so I found a job at a university where I worked in a comms role, which I really enjoyed. Uh, But then I really wanted to travel. So I came to the UK in 2004 and the plan was to stay for two years. But here I am still 19 years later uh, because I found a boy and I met my husband (laughs) who's British and we worked together actually at a marketing agency. So I worked in content marketing uh, for quite a long time and had my first son, went back to that role and then became head of marketing first for the marketing agency. It was obviously a very marketing heavy role. And in the end, I ended up being a marketing director for the marketing agency. But after the birth of my second child, I really felt at odds with mainstream marketing. I really didn't feel like I was being true to my values and true to my beliefs on a deeper level, but also just beliefs about what is good marketing in that particular role. Um, So I shuffled out of employment and. I always admire people who say, I just quit my job and sat it all off and started my own business. For me, it was very much a shuffling towards something that felt safe enough to dip my toes into self-employment. And that was six years ago now. So um, nearly six years ago. So I've been running Goodness Marketing ever since. And I think I'm probably officially unemployable now. I can't imagine ever going back to normal 
regular employment. Um, but of course, never say never. That's so, so interesting that you've had that sort of journey in terms of doing marketing and sort of questioning. What were some of, I guess, those key moments that I'm curious around, you know, where you realised actually, mm, I don't necessarily agree with this or that or just how things are done, right? We're not even necessarily talking about um, your specific marketing agency, but marketing in general has been on a bit of a journey. So I'm really curious, take us back to that moment where it started to feel a bit uncomfortable. It started to feel like it anymore. I think if I want to think about it now, I will probably say that discomfort was always there in some form Mm. or another, but I did not trust myself. And I thought, you know, I'm new to the country. Maybe that's just how things are done here. Definitely questioning. um, And I'm not, even though I did a degree in marketing and comms, I was definitely down the journalism pathway. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm not right for this. Maybe I'm the problem. Um, But there were lots of kind of micro things that I just thought this doesn't feel right. And it often had to do with manipulative marketing tactics where it was just Mm -hmm. about tricking people. Um, I was fascinated by the whole psychological approach of, you know, placement on a website where people are heat maps, where people are most likely to click color psychology, make the button this color and people will be more likely to click. And for the longest time, I didn't question that because I was really fascinated by it. But when, after the birth of my second child, I looked at the world in a new way and I realized that I wanted to leave a legacy and I wanted to have an impact. And all of a sudden, those things that I kind of accepted, even though maybe they felt a little bit uncomfortable for me, I just thought, actually, no, it doesn't have to be this way. And it can't be Mm. right to manipulate people in this way. So my thinking and philosophy with marketing is very much about serving, not serving to the point that you're doing yourself a disservice as a business, but to really not to really give people agency in their purchase decisions. So that means informing them properly, not using some of these sleazy tactics um, to manipulate their decision to buy. And I don't want to sound judgmental because I think I have in the past. Um, certainly I wasn't aware of a lot of the tactics that I had used over time. But once I kind of looked into it and realized some of these tactics are really manipulative, um, I didn't want to do it anymore. And I didn't want to be part of a world that was all about that. Um, and also unbalancedly focused on profit. Yes, we are businesses. Yes, we exist to make a profit. Um, or yeah, our businesses need to make a profit because it's very privileged to say, oh, I don't have, my business doesn't have to make money. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I've been on a bit of a journey as well, even since leaving employment, about what is ethical marketing and what should marketing look like for individuals. Um, mm. And I think I've landed at a place where it's about integrity and about me being able to, at the end of the day, say, I have done a good job today. I have served the world, which sounds very lofty for someone who does marketing, but not kind of, um, I've left the world in a slightly better place than it was before. Mm -hmm. And not, I have today employed sleazy tactics to make people click on things and buy things that they probably don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And you mentioned sort of like impact and legacy. And I think it's very easy to detach ourselves from those things at various points in our career, I guess. And depending on the work that you're doing, even when I think about my experience working at larger companies, um, it was so much easier to detach because you're so much further from the end 
consumer, end user, um, and things like that, and how interesting that that could be. Because you know, there's there's been many, I guess there's been many sad moments in life. Um, and I guess I, I'm reflecting on this very heavily. I just came back from my honeymoon in Vietnam and we went to the war museum and there's very sort of, there's a lot of things that happen in life where the characters involved for better or worse, were just doing their job. Yeah. Oh yeah. And what happens when we detach so much that it's like, oh, I was just doing my job. Right. Um, and you can insert your own atrocity. Um, you can take your own time to research the Vietnam War if you're listening to this, folks. Um, but I, I say that with a great deal of empathy, but I also say that with a great deal of what would happen if we flipped it the other way around? What if we said, yes, if I'm going to be just doing my job, I want to make sure that I am in alignment with what that job is. I want to make sure that I can talk to my children about my day and what I did in as much detail as they want and not ever cringe or not censor myself because I don't want them to know or to translate in the way that children would to go, oh, so you lied. So you, it was a trick <laughs> You know, yes. so honest. I spent a whole weekend with kids. So they are the funniest <laughs> things, but they will hold up that mirror to go, oh, okay. That yeah. seems a bit interesting. And how do we feel? How do we feel with that? Right. I do a lot of work with my one-to-one coaching clients around embodiment. Does that give you butterflies in your stomach or a sinking feeling? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, for me, it was also a case of thinking, would I want my boys to be in a job like this where they didn't wholeheartedly want to be there um, and didn't I felt I was exchanging eight nine hours of my day plus the mental load of a job um, Mm. with being in that role and doing that kind of work and I could have been with my kids or I could have done something that was a better blend for our family so for me that was a huge catalyst as well thinking not Mm. just I need to face them and say this is what I chose to do with my life but also exchanging those precious hours um, that I could spend with them or do something I truly love. And that was really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so huge. I think, I think we see the statistics about how many hours of your life you spend at work, but it never truly quite sinks in, right? You start working from the age of 16 or earlier for a lot of us. And it just is what it is. You know, there's going to be a couple thousand Mondays in your life and a couple thousand Wednesdays in your life. And I think that's one thing that, um, I think changes things for the better is when you realize if I'm going to spend, you know, however many hours or however many weeks of my life in this organization and doing this work, you know, let me be a bit more conscious about it. I think in many ways it can be easy to be a little bit lackluster in terms of our decision-making and our intention when it comes to our career. Um, But we wouldn't do the same if it was a romantic partner. We wouldn't do the same if it was family and friends, our health, right? All of those spaces, we are quite intentional. You're intentional about the time you spend. You're intentional about the activities you do. You're intentional about how you want to feel when you're engaging with these things. Um, But it can be so easy for work to still feel quite autopilot-y even in 2023. I agree. I think it's often been role modeled to us that as well. It's sort of 
you're a grown-up now you just suck it up and you go to work and that's just what you do and you get the Sunday night dreads because everybody does mm. and it's just kind of um I don't know if this is common but kind of ideas above your station to mm. assume that what makes you so special that you don't have to just slog it out for however many 2000 Mondays or whatever it is yeah. um, and I think that's something that possibly stopped me from taking that shuffle <laughs> the next shuffle forward mm. into self-employment as well and even leaving jobs that weren't serving me it took a long time for me to come to the conclusion it felt very brave to move on um, mm. and yeah I think if I could go back I would possibly do things differently and be braver which is a very easy thing to say in hindsight <laughs> oh yeah definitely and I'm curious in that because I think when it comes to making any big change in our life there are some I guess there are, for some people, it's as explicit as an affirmation, but I prefer to use the term beliefs. What were some of the beliefs that you held dear as you were making that change? That was probably quite scary. Mm, it was scary. Um, I think, and again, this comes from position of privilege, but there was a, um, in our family, we didn't need me, my business to make lots of money from the off, which mm. was a definitely a reassuring thing and I completely appreciate how much privilege is wrapped up in that but for me that was a very sort of you can always go back you can always do something else mm. if this doesn't work out and um, because it was terrifying um another thing that I quickly not at the time but something that quickly gave me that reassurance was surrounding myself with people who were doing the same thing and who shared my beliefs about how marketing should be because I used to think mm. I was the only one with these weird ideas about marketing but not long after I left that environment I met others who shared those beliefs and for me that was a huge boost in terms of confidence and um, so again having different role models not people who were just yeah slogging it out every week but people who mm. were just trying things experimenting failing it's good to see that as well and see that failing didn't you know crush them they could get up and carry on again so I guess in the early yeah. days those things were there was the fact that um I did have some breathing room in our family situation and the fact that there were others who were doing the same and I found that kind of sense of community incredibly reassuring and incredibly emboldening it really gave me the courage to try things so that's kind of something I always say to people and they say, what's your best advice for starting your own business? It's usually mm. that, find your people and lean into, yeah, that community where you feel safe and where you feel encouraged and um, courageous, I suppose. Courageous, bold, brave, all of those those things that I think, I think we put them on a pedestal. We don't realise how much we're courageous and bold and brave in our everyday lives. Oh, I think. Yeah. Um, how has that kind of been for you, I guess, developing the bold, courageous muscle? Yes. Oh, I love this question. Um, I actually ran a retreat with my friend Katya Willems a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago. Uh, so we run these retreats called the Wilderness Tonic and it's for business owners. And we go to the Peak District for a day and we reflect on our businesses. And the theme for the most recent one a couple of weeks ago was courage. So we spoke a lot mm. about the small and the big ways, because I think, like you say, it can sometimes be put on a pedestal and it's these things like 
leaving your job or starting a family or getting married or taking a massive trip or something or going to Vietnam for your honeymoon, which I think is intriguing, an intriguing choice. Um, mm. But I think those small courageous steps, it's the being boundaried, it's saying no, it's asking yourself, is this the right path for me? I've been really intrigued by that idea of courage, the small ways in which we take courageous acts all the time, striking up a conversation with somebody new, being prepared to fail. Um, because I think as somebody who moved countries at the age of 23 or something, uh, for lots of people from the outside, that might look really courageous. It didn't feel particularly courageous to me. For me, it's more courageous walking into a networking event where I don't know anybody and have to strike up a conversation. Mm. So I think it's really important to celebrate those micro moments of courage and to say, today I did a good job. So yes, I'm trying to be more conscious about the small ways in which we can be courageous. This episode is brought to you by Just Jazz Private Coaching, the six-month one-to-one experience for high achievers to carve their unique careers free from burnout, overwhelm, and underwhelm. With challenging and curious conversations, we get knee-deep in all the things getting in the way of you having a hell-yeah career instead of a career that feels meh. If this sounds great to you, book a call today at justjazz.co forward slash coaching, where we will map out the what and how of working together. I love that you run these retreats to kind of create space. I think one thing, um, my life outside of a career coach is as a community manager, and it's so exciting to be both part of communities, supporting communities, but really just kind of study the field of community and although it's kind of, I think the pandemic brought it to light a lot. It's something that's so integral to our everyday lives, even when we don't realise it, right? The institutions that we go to help us form community, the families we're born into can give us a sense of community um, and how both inspiring, nourishing, but also supportive it can be to create space for it intentionally, right? I think there's ones that we're just born into. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But to intentionally go, I want to go away for a weekend or for a couple of days or for a day and be in this space with these types of people is quite powerful. Yeah. What kind of inspires you to start that, I guess, movement or initiative? Uh, Katya used to be an Instagram coach. So I booked her for a coaching session and it was on Skype because this was before the days Mm -hmm. of Uh, the pandemic and we had this conversation and we realized that we live about three miles away from each other and we started talking she was a massive networker at the time going into Manchester going to all these events I was a massive introvert and a little bit scarred from networking in my old life where I felt really out of sorts Mm. Um, and we had this conversation about why don't we do something more local to where we both live so we had this idea Mm. to have a coffee morning I spoke to a friend who had a restaurant for a venue and we just kind of sold these free tickets for people to come and have a coffee and again this is before kind of lots of people working from home and co-working being a thing and I think the first one we had 25 people which is all the tickets and I had these conversations with people who live in my local town where I've never seen them because they are voiceover artists. So they sit in a box in their room and record voiceovers for massive brands or just people doing really artists and videographers and just people doing brilliant work. 
So that was kind of my first experience of bringing this community together. And from that, we had a few more coffee mornings. We had um, an event where we had some brilliant speakers. And I was just amazed every time that what we were putting out there, people were really hungry for, because we had mm. created events that we felt were lacking in our own lives as small business owners. Um, and I've just met fantastic people off the back of it. So we had our first retreat uh, maybe four years ago now, and we've tweaked mm -hmm. it as we've gone along. And it's just become this beautiful day. We're probably going to do an overnighter for the first time um, in October or early next year. And to see the transformations that people have on the day where they kind of um, just have that time and space that they don't usually mm. afford themselves to reflect, to connect with nature. We do things like forest bathing. We take a walk in the hills. It's just beautiful. So on the day, they feel amazing. But then months down the line, the collaborations they've had, um, the realizations they've had, we actually had someone a couple of weeks ago who came back for her second or third time. And mm. the last time she talks about she's got two businesses and the one was a fledgling and the other one was really well established. And she talked last time about really pushing this fledgling business. And at mm. the retreat, she said that was the catalyst. And now she's considering selling her really established business because of this fledgling one that uh, she had the yeah. or at the retreat um so for me it's just beautiful to see kind of how people when they take that time um to, to take a step back how they can push things forward that beautiful analogy mm. of bow and arrow you have to pull back in order to go forward and to see that play out at these retreats it's just a beautiful thing that is so amazing. Uh, I want to take you back to something you said at the beginning of that journey, kind of being scarred from networking in your old life, because I think there are probably a lot of listeners that feel the same way, where it's like there's a huge ick, for want of a oh, better yeah. word, around networking. How did you, I guess, move through that or kind of heal from some of those scars? Because I'm sure oh. you network now um, yes. in your current career. Yes. So the ick for me came from pretend having feeling the need to pretend to be somebody I'm not because I was representing this mm. company or this. Yeah, this company that I didn't believe in. I didn't believe in the work. I wasn't proud of it. And um, I wasn't having authentic conversations because the things that were important to me weren't important. I believe to the people, other people who were there. Um, mm. And yeah, I would just be really shy <laughs> to strike up conversations. And so I just avoided it. I found lots of networking events were, you know, poor timing as well when I had young children. And I think lots of your listeners might be able to relate to this. Things like breakfast meeting when you have to get kids to a breakfast club or after work mm. drinks when I didn't want to spend time working. I wanted to get home to my babies. Um, so how I worked through that was to find groups where I didn't have to pretend so to find communities and to find events where I felt my contribution was valued and that I could turn up in a way that felt authentic. And like with Katya mm -hmm. and I, when we first had that idea for the networking group, if we realized that there wasn't something like this out there that we wanted, so we made it ourselves. And I guess that is another kind of step of uh, courage because what if nobody turns up? But um, yeah, yeah, if it's not there create it 
And actually, we've had mm. someone who came to the Wilderness Tonic Retreat who just before COVID moved somewhere very remote and felt like the only person of her sort in the local area. And she actually started um, a networking group in the local area, started on Instagram, mm. just so people could have conversations. And those people found her. So I guess my advice is if you don't see the things out there that you want to attend or the networking things, consider mm. starting one yourself um, so that yeah. your people can find you. Thank you so much for sharing that because it is a hot topic. It's something that I get a lot with clients, especially within my membership. It's like I keep getting told to network, but <sighs> it just, it drains me. It just feels like there's so much build up. It feels selfish. It feels inauthentic. It feels like yeah. a performance. So many different kind of experiences around it. So I think it's so important to just share when we do I guess, crack the code in some way. <laughs> I feel like I actually, I have a very practical tip, which is something I've started doing recently, which I didn't mm. do earlier in my career. Earlier in my career, I would go with business cards and just try to make as many connections as possible and hope something comes of it. I've become a lot more focused in my networking. I would rather mm. have two or three proper conversations with people, which suits my nature anyway. Um, and not a conversation with kind of uh, selling in mind. I want to genuinely get to know you. And I feel mm. like when I used to do networking, I'd go, right, do you have the kind of role that you should have so that my business can sell to yours um, in the agency? Because I would have targets, like get so many leads mm. from a networking event. And um, now I'm able to just go, I want to have two or three really good conversations, really listen to people, active listening, not listen to respond and then follow up with them properly and not in a cynical here is a process for following up with people after mm. a networking event but just connecting with them on LinkedIn with a little note um, paying attention to the things that they post on there and you know having real human conversations and I feel like that is what has been missing for me uh, through my career before starting goodness marketing was that freedom to just choose how I did things like networking or marketing um, because mm. I was told how to do it in a way that didn't align with me. I almost kind of see in your journey an element of unlearning and kind oh, of relearning yes. how you want to do certain things. Yes, certain things are kind of core and integral to being an entrepreneur, working for a business or running a business. But it's like, okay, what's your way of doing it? How does Karen show up in this task or this kind of function? Yes, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that because I actually have a little mini course called Unlearning Marketing. And it is, <laughs> kind, of, yeah, it is kind of my to do with my journey and how I've kind of unpicked mm. what I was told, um, which is that marketing has to be this combative thing where you need to get, get, get from people to it being generous. And for me, that's just about introducing people to this idea that um, it doesn't have to be the way that you see things now. You can unlearn it. Um, and I do think it's an on, it's unlearning because it's an ongoing mm. process. And yeah, that course probably needs updating because I feel like I'm constantly unlearning ways in which I used to do things. I've been told to do things. I'm finding new, better car and shaped things that <laughs> just so happens to work for other people as well. Because we're not all the same. Yeah. Not all businesses can do their marketing in the same way because it won't work. Just because it worked for mm. one person doesn't mean it's going to work for you. A hundred percent. Oh, that brings me very nicely onto a question I ask most of my guests. What is your career teaching you right now? 
right now my career is teaching me to lean into what I feel is right for me right now and for my clients. So to question everything, to not just accept uh, the status quo or the way that I believe I should be doing things, both in marketing and in my career, and to, yes, question things and experiment and feel what feels right. Oh, it's so much in there. Um, and a lot of self-trust because that's, I think that's what it takes to kind of a question everything because there is that question of what happens if I question it, I don't like what I find. Yeah. <laughs> it's trusting that you'll be able to navigate that. Um, but also again, like going back to what we've been talking about in terms of the unlearning. Yes. And that kind of becomes a part of it because it is quite deeply personal. We may both get taught to do something. We both may be trained in a similar thing. But the reason why you stop doing it and the reason why I stop doing it might be very different. Yes, the reason, absolutely. You know, the way I adapt it to how you adapt it might be completely different. And I think that's exciting um, because, yeah, the more of us that are showing up and sharing that difference, the more it gives other people who identify it uh, identify with it I guess to find their own difference and say hey this is my way of doing this and I'm I'm allowed to have my way I can trust myself to create my own way of doing things and trust that it will be okay definitely and I do think there's a lot of conditioning that tells us not to trust ourselves and it goes wider Mm. than careers and it goes wider than marketing we see it in diet culture where we're not allowed to just decide this is how much food my body needs Um, and Mm. I think it's everywhere around us this idea of you can't trust yourself unless some guy with a white coat says you know this is the way to do it or science says this is the correct way we are conditioned to not trust ourselves so I think saying I am going to trust myself and I am going to try new things is incredibly courageous. And like you say, the world needs more more people who question the status quo and who say, I am going to take a step in the right direction for me and role model mm. that for others as well. So huge. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Where can folks connect with you, your work and your journey, Karen? Um, So my website is called Goodness Marketing. I have a newsletter which I send out every week, which I absolutely love to write. And people can sign up for that on the website. Um, Otherwise, I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn and trying to embrace LinkedIn, having been scarred from it (laughs) Um, from my previous (laughs) life. I'm embracing it again now. And um, yeah, I would love to connect with anybody and continue this conversation if there's anything that resonated with people amazing thank you so much again for just sharing your journey what ambition looks like for you and everything in between today thanks for having me don't forget to reach out with any gems you took away my dms and inbox are always open and waiting to hear and if you liked this episode you should probably join the crew so sign up to the monday memo to get weekly messages that put you back at the center of your ambitious career with passion-filled musings created to educate and inspire you'll have everything you need to fuel your ambitious career this year Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there.